Welcome to the Laboogie Podcast. Little special episode here with the Pipeline Champ for 2020, Ian Campbell. Maybe one of the only big victories of the year. Well, now that the IBC Tour is, well, at least the South American leg is off or suspended. Uh, I got a chance to sit down with Ian before he had that nail-biting victory over Tanner McDaniel last month. And it's a really interesting interview because we go into some of the psychological challenges that he's gone through and obviously overcome uh, with his professional riding. Um, Ian's a great competitor, a great example of professionalism in the sport, and I cannot be happier to call him a mate, a colleague, a peer, and a pipe champ. Enjoy. And I decided that it would be a good idea to go and um, like try to get a shot with Clark Little and I was standing on the beach thinking to myself, like, I think I've had enough kind of thing and then I was like, nah, one more. Yeah. And I like ran and skimmed the whole way out to the wave. Yeah. So I went pretty far, like 25, 30 meters. And I turned and as I went in to catch the wave, I like had no speed and I just landed, like took off on the top, just free fell, land in the trough and then got like sucked up and over. Uh. And when I got sucked up and over, I kind of was going feet first and I put my feet out to like stop myself. But the force of the wave was obviously just pushing me way too fast over the force. And I ended up just landing like flat ground and then my inside, my leg twisted like so the inside of my right knee was trying to touch the ground while Ugh. my leg was like still straight. Gross. And it just like, I think it might have torn like an MCL, I think it is, or meniscus tear, like a minor meniscus tear, but... Sure. Whatever it was, it's damn irritating being here, but I wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else but here. Yeah. Cover, bro. It was sure. actually really nice to just come sit on the beach and watch the waves. And the Volcom contest was on, so that kind of made it... It's pretty fun to watch and chill with, yeah. Easier to not go surfing. Too. Well, yeah, it's, it's pretty like crowded. Crazy the whole day. So. Yeah, but you're one of the few riders. Um, it's unfortunate to hear that you got kind of lifted there on the old Kiki shore break, but it's a, it's kind of probably overdue given the amount of time you spent out there to get an injury there. It definitely is. Yeah. Here, yeah, so it's probably about time. But um, but you know, on that thought, like you're one of the few riders that's actually repeatedly put in really big stints here in Hawaii like there aren't many other guys from outside of this place that do that anymore what is it about it for you that keeps you coming back and putting in so much time here I mean look at it yeah yeah I, I mean it's the, magic the, the I love it too I won't be able to understand but me sitting here it's like the most pristine day Helicopter it's flying over. Military which, presence, always. Which might, might be a little bit of a downer, but other than that, it's like sun setting. It's like a good amount of clouds. Probably going to be one of the top five sunsets that I've seen here this, this trip. It is probably going to be a beauty, isn't it? It's an absolute feature of a day. Yeah. And you get these, like, you know, five out of the eight days, or well, five out of the seven days of the week, it's, it's like this. And it's like. Mm. You know, it's a good place after a tough year to just come up and relax and kind of surf, get back into surfing, get fit again, which is one thing that I really find um, happens when I'm here. Mm -hmm. Because you surf a lot, you 
stay really close to the beach, so it's like, kind of feel bad if you're not in the water and you're sitting at home doing nothing. Yeah. So, in that sense, that's kind of why I really enjoy coming here. And also, it's like, man, it's Hawaii. Yeah. It's like, why wouldn't you want to be here? So, the waves at home aren't the best right now. I mean, they're still really good waves, but, you know, it's, it's, you're not surfing path. Um, Pipe style waves. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's open ocean, it's strong, it's powerful. And mm. I really, I just, I love coming back here. The people are amazing. I just get, I get really good vibes from this place and I've had some really good trips here, so mm. coming back is probably, you know, it's probably more for the environment and the vibe that you get out of this place yeah. more than like, you know, what you get out of it, I guess. Mm. I dig it, like I, I think me thinking about it, it's kind of cool because like the beach culture is so strong with the Hawaiian people, like they, they literally do live their lives here. Yeah. And every social activity seems to take place here. So, you know, you see like on a Sunday yesterday, there's families that just set up for the whole day and everybody's surfing, everybody's having a great time. And it, that happens in Oz too, but here it seems to happen to a whole other level. I, I don't know if I've seen it happen to this extent anywhere else in the world, that's for sure. Nah, South Africa, like, it's not like this, is it? No. Nah. You wouldn't, you, I mean, besides the same time where you get like a whole bunch of Afrikaans people coming from, Johannesburg, which is like five hours from the closest ocean. Yeah. Like other than that, it's like it doesn't. I mean, it's not going to happen like all year round like it does here. You know? Yeah. And the guys, they come here and they set up with like set up a like tent with yeah. two cooler boxes and yeah. these drinks and the this barbecue food and, and yeah, yeah. You just like they go crazy. Yeah, they? it's pretty special. It's pretty special. Um, so this is this place is really like a spot it was interesting i'm going to pick up on something you said before you said that after a tough year it was good to come here and and kind of regroup and and find that passion again like how tough was last year for you no, no i can't even put it in words um i think what i should have done last year like you know thinking... sorry we got an umbrella just <laughs> launching i was just waiting for that to hit someone Sorry. I think like we should probably help, but we're not. We're gonna watch. Um, yeah, think, sorry. I, th <laughs> I think after like, you know, after 2018, even 2017 and 2018, because I kind of count that as like a, a joint um, year, because 2017 went by super fast. Yeah. It felt like really easy. Yeah. And 2018 felt like it was part of the same journey because okay. I was I was pushing so hard to get, you know, full titles back to back. Yeah. And then. It was quite crazy because, like, straight after that happened, I got really sick again. Yeah. Um, and I battled with that the whole of last year. Yeah. But in battling with it, I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe I should have just taken that year off. Mm. And you know, there's no, there's no real policies behind or rules behind taking that time. Off. Right. Do you keep your seating? So, Are you able to? Yeah. So it's it's kind of tough, you know. You just got to kind of keep trucking and. Yeah. You know, 13th on the world tour is not bad. But, it's not bad. But after coming... I'd have it. In the, <laughs> but after coming in like the top yeah. five for the, yeah. like the years before, like three or four years before, it was, yeah. it was kind of a tough pull to swallow and yeah. um, not doing well at events that I was hoping to do really well at. Like, and that you would traditionally do quite well at. Yeah, like Arika yeah. um, and to Augusta. And yeah, but my mindset, you know, it's like people... I don't think people really understand what it takes to compete at that level for multiple years. And yeah, like, yeah. You know, like some guys are just incredibly strong mentally. Like I look at Pierre and Jeff and 
Jared and mm. you know those guys just keep going year after year and it's like you know they keep getting good results and um, mm. it's not often that your CPA fall out and what happened to him at the end of last year I think was just like a massive build up to movie and you know expectations from sponsors and being mm. in the top running for the last couple of years and yeah. you know and then we watched him in that final heat at Fronton and it's just like man I, my heart went out to him man because it's like that is such a tough situation to be in and to like try and mentally you know he said to me as well it's like after Sintra he was really battling really mentally. yeah um, which is I mean it's so hard it's like you know you got so much on your plate you got a family you're supposed to be looking after and providing for mm. and plus you want to be trying to you're trying to do a movie and you're trying to get a world title it's like it's it's a lot of work and yeah and people look at that like oh you're living the dream but you know you forget about all the other stresses you got family expectations and there's just so much behind it so mm. I, I kind of went out on tangent there but no it was about you and you just made it about Pierre <laughs> yeah but I mean <laughs> it's it's just like for me it was just it was just really tough to get my head wrapped around competing again at that higher level. And I just psyched myself out. Yeah, because you, but you did have moments. I remember, like you know, you, you did have moments of um, I don't know. Were there any events where you didn't make it through into the time kind of final sixteen? Which, which ones were those that you didn't get no. that far? So, um, Ikiko, I didn't get too far. No, you didn't. That's where. Yeah, that was one and of them where you you fell pretty early there, like twenty fifth or. Nah, maybe a bit higher than 17th, that. 17th. Yeah, I think you're 17th, yeah. And then I think I got another 17th in Arica. Yeah. And then I got like a, a joint 9th in Brazil. Yeah. Antofagasta? Antofagasta got a 17th as well. Yeah, right. So you're so just like, missing those kind of final 16 spots. Yeah, I was, I was just missing that, that like last kind of yeah. pump, like jump, which would have been like really good for my morale yeah more than anything else and it just like every time I seemed to like get to that spot even even in Brazil you know I was in, still in that same area because I was in the heat before I guess you would say like your quarters yeah you know because those were four-man heats and yeah that situation just like and it just kept getting to me like after Brazil I was super angry yeah and you know I like I was really really frustrated just with how I was surfing and yeah um you know, also maybe my mentally because I'd bought I'd bought a board that I was riding thinking the water was going to be a little bit colder and it ended up being a lot warmer. Uh-huh, so okay. that was a little bit soft and yeah, right. you know, that also played into my, so my mental really state and I was really feeling that and uh, it's just like, you know, that kind of trickled down and then when Antipagasta happened I was like, okay, that was partly my fault, mm. like just being, and then by Ikike I was just like, so drained mm. and just like I could have packed it up very easily and he just and left that. Sent it home. Yeah. yeah, right. It was just like at that point I was just like, just get me out of here. It's like, mm. But how did you bring it back? Because in Sintra, you know, things kind of turned right around. Like you were on the podium, you got a third place. You, know, you came third in the Drop Me World Championships, which was obviously a pretty big moment for you. Yeah. Um, so how did you? T- how did that turn around so well for you? Like, what's the what's the secret? Like, what's the because I get goosebumps thinking about it but um, right. it's you know I put so I put I always put so much pressure on myself yeah. than anything else and I think like 
Yeah, I've always got this expectation to be well. And I got home from South America absolutely frustrated out of my brain. Yeah. And um, I got a really good team that I work with back home. I got a, a good team of doctors and um, biokinetists. And I went to this guy that I trained with, Philip Nell. You've definitely heard me speak about him. Yeah, yeah, you have before. And I said to him, you know, I, I need to go and see someone because this is like this is a problem that like is in my head. It's yeah. not my abilities. I know that I can I can serve better than what I serve. Yeah. So um, he put me in touch with a, a real high-profile sports psychologist, which I never thought I'd ever be going and seeing. Right. By the name of Paddy Upton, who was the coach that went with Gary Kirsten, which is another South African coach. And they went and took India to a um, World Cup cricket final. Okay. As a, actually, as a team effort, like those two yeah. were the team. Yeah, they were the, like the, the team managers. Right. Like the, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, the management like co- team. Coaching staff. Yeah. Right? And they went and took that team, and you know, I go, I walk in there, and there's books on the table. like his written biographies on the yeah. table and I was like super taken back and we sat down and we spoke for about an hour and we kind of went through like every situation that I've had over the last five or six years right and he just kind of ironed out all for me yeah and it was weird walking because when you walk into something like that anyone who's ever going to see like a um, you know like a counsellor or someone that's going to help you mentally like psychologically, it's uh, a crazy feeling walking out of there. You right. Drain, but also like a huge weight has been lifted off. Yeah, right. And then I, there was a moment in that, um, in this like session that I had with him, where I was sitting there and I was like, I could feel the weight getting lifted off my shoulders. Uh-huh. Like the expectations from like myself were just mm. like, you know, you just go do whatever. Mm. And. It was a huge help, man. It was just like, I was just blown away by, you know, the chance to go and see someone like that, of that caliber. Mm. And as an athlete, I I strongly suggest that anyone having like issues with, um, you know, their performance sporting wise or um, problems at home or anything need to like just talk to people. Because, you know, mental health is something that we never really talk about, but it's, I just find it so important seems to be the recurring theme of this podcast mental health <laughs> so like actually we seem to talk i seem to get a chance to talk about it all the time like yeah. i just had hardy on here and you know like his journey is a very unique one yeah you haven't listened to that podcast yet though i've been told but like it's a real cracker and he really opens up about all of all of the the struggles that he's had over the years and his kind of journey from here moving forward but going back to this you know it's all good and well to say you went to a sports psychologist and you walked out of there with the weight of the world off your shoulders but what were some of the things that happened in that room? Like, what can you share about the process? What do they ask you that leads that to that conclusion? Like, what's a give an example that you're comfortable sharing if there's one there? Like, so the the one thing that I kept saying to him, which was which was quite crazy, was like I kept using words that were um, like desperation words. Oh, okay. So I was using words like I feel like I have to, uh-huh. and I feel like I want to, uh-huh. and I feel like I need to. Uh-huh. You know, and he and he turned to me and he was like. He started like jotting down notes as as most you know psychologists do, mm. and I was sitting there and I was like, man, this feels like you know I'm getting interrogated. Yeah. And then he went back on it and he was just like started to underline these words and mm. how many times I'd said it and 
I was just like, I was blown away that I was using that. What's wrong and with desperation words? Well, the thing is, is like, when your mind is, you know, when your mind is constantly telling you that you need to perform, mm. it's better than if you, you know, if you want to, you're kind of putting yourself in such a closed box mm -hmm. as to what you want to do. Okay. And if you just think that, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, mm. you can only really control the controllables. Mm. Uh, you know, that kind of like want and need falls away and you just can focus on... Performing. Performing and like, not even performing, but just like focusing on what you can control. So what you need to do in the heat or right. what, you, what you can do with the situation that you're in. I was you gonna know? say you just use the desperation word. What you need to do in your heats. Yeah, well, what you what you can do. Yeah. What you. So so does it come down to, to do. yeah? Is does it come down to um, focusing on your uh, skills and abilities and just the process of a heat? Is that it's, kind of where it goes? It's exactly. It's, it's okay. it focuses more on the process than on the outcome. Okay. And that was the basis behind our conversation. And right. When you put it into like like you said one thing to me, which I'll share, which is quite crazy. It's yeah. Like, there's only four things that you need. And okay. that's water, mm. sleep, mm. food, and oxygen. Yeah. There's nothing else in this world that you need because those are the only things that are gonna let you survive. Mm. So, you know, he, told, he said to me like, without water, you're gonna survive three days. Without mm. sleep, you're gonna get seven days or mm. 15 days or whatever it is. And went through those and once he had said that, that was the moment where I was just like, okay, well, if that's how we're going to play it, then that's how we're going to play it. And that's that's how I went into the century event. Right. So my mindset through the century event is like, you know, Rosie was there. She was sitting around. That's nice too, right? Was, nice influence. Was so, so nice to have. Mm. And, and she really kind of keeps me grounded and puts me back on the earth. Mm. Um, you know, when I'm, my mind's sailing way higher. And she just said, like, she was just saying to me, like, just go out there and enjoy yourself. Mm. And taking that pressure from having to, or having to, or wanting to, or needing to perform, mm. I could just go out there and do what I wanted to do. And that's yeah. what I thought about doing drop me. And the guys were losing it when I was seven. Oh, I was me. one of them. Yeah, you knew what <laughs> uh, I was like, I knew he could drop me, but I didn't think he was going to get to the podium on the knee, that's for sure. But it was, it was impressive. You were having fun, though. That's definitely what I, the vibe exactly. I got from the moment. You were definitely and, just having a great time. And winning heats as a result of having a great time. For sure, and it was mm. like it was, you know, when you when you start to get into that mindset, it also just becomes so much easier. To, mm. You're not putting that much pressure on yourself. So mm. if you fall, you're like, whatever. Yeah. You do a good good turn, you're like, that felt so good, and that kind of uplifts yeah. you to do more and go on to the next thing and the next thing. And mm. I feel like that's that's kind of where like my mental state is right now. Is like. I don't want to put so much pressure on this mm. competition yet. I just want to let it happen. Like I came here, I got injured, and although it's like the worst thing, I mean, I was four days into my trip. Yeah, like that must Four days suck. into a six-week trip, and I'm like out for two and a half weeks. Mm. But then, like looking back on it, it's like you know, it just it just lifts the whole story that I've had so far. Yeah. And you know, getting into here. Who knows what the rest of the year holds, too. So it's a big year. It's a long year still. Mm. And we're only in February. We've still got until you know, mid-November to compete. So there's a, there's a long time, and I'm just happy we've got quite a long break now between 
Yeah, we will after pipe. After pipe, we got we got until Europe, I mean, until South America in, in June. Yeah. So that gives me like a nice long gap to go home and regroup a bit. Full rehab on the knee. Yeah. I've had shoulder issues too, so try to get that sorted. And it's funny you say this thing. It's funny you say this to stick on the sports psychology bit because, like, as you were talking about that, I remembered. I was just thinking about like because I had a pretty good run in front on last year. It was like my best result so far, and I do know that in the early heats, I was very sim. I had two very simple things to do: breathe and yeah. catch two waves. Yeah. You know, like that was it. That was literally every heat I had because it was big and it was scary and it was like, okay, keep keep the oxygen going in your system and stay calm and then when the wave's right go for it with everything yeah and then do it twice and keep going <laughs> yeah. and that was it but then when i got to the the semi-final it's like the the clutch moment you know like the podium's just there and i was in that heat with pierre too a heat i did not expect to make through yeah given he was chasing the world title i didn't expect to get through that heat at all but that was the quarters right that was the quarters, yeah. yeah. And he was just in a different state of, I didn't even understand who I was surfing with. Like he, he was just, he just seemed very disconnected out there. And obviously there was a lot going on for him. So it made, made a lot of sense, but I didn't think I would get past that one. And then, yeah, once it got to that last moment, I needed to do something, you know, yeah. like I was a lot more desperate in that semi. And, you know, I had Moz, Jerry and Tanner. And, you know, like as soon as, like, that's a really hard heat in anyone's books. And then to, to shift your focus from relaxed and doing going with the flow a bit and just getting two waves, it became, I need, because the waves changed a lot, yeah. conditions deteriorated. I was like, wow, I need to do a flip. I need to do a big air move because I'm not going to beat these guys if I just try and do whatever I was doing before. So it was interesting to recognize that's a big shift, isn't it? Like in the, in the mental game when you just... And I recognise it now that you've mentioned it, that there is a difference when you don't need to do anything. You just kind of be there yeah, and do what needs to be done at the moment. Yeah, or, there's, you know. there's a crazy, t I mean, so many, like a lot of businessmen talk about this and a lot of, it like, happens more, way more in sport than it does in business, but mm. you get into a state of flow. Yeah. And I mean, everyone talks about it and I read, I read a book in 2017 um, where I could actually recognise when I was in flow, in heat. Yeah. And it's it's crazy to pick up on on that kind of stuff, and yeah. that's exactly what Tristan was in that whole last day Man, of front on. So it's like to like he probably doesn't even realize what was going on. Mm. He said to me like afterwards, he was just like, "Man, it was like everything was going my way," and that's exactly what happened. That's flow, isn't it? Yeah, because you're in that you're in that state of where your mind doesn't have to think about what your body is going to do. Yeah, and that's literally what you know. You get out the water, you just keep repeating the same process, mm. and you just keep falling back into he was a man possessed he was it was crazy and yeah. i mean that's you know i i guess you were there during the front time yeah, yeah, too yeah. you know when and i think it's also when you don't think too much about the situation you just let it happen yeah and that natural occurrence is probably when your the front of your brain just switches off and it just just goes, goes on instinct mm. so so this year you're looking ahead with a much more say relaxed and present kind of approach to competition are you going to prioritize it you know this is within the okay the context is we've got a we've got an ab apb ibc kind of thing going on and there's a big transition happening i mean what do you want to kind of divulge about your thoughts on the whole process so far 
it's a difficult position to be in because I know both sides of the story. Mm. Um, you know, we've spoken about that length. Yeah. And it's, I think it's just difficult to, you know, it's difficult for the promoters to see our situation because that's who's obviously taking over the RBC. But at the same time, it's, it's difficult for the riders to kind of get their points across. Yeah. And I think we're getting to this crossroad where they kind of taking advantage of the power they have by not listening to us and when we hear the information we then giving them our opinion but mm. by that stage it's like well we've already made this decision and it's kind of like yeah you know we we're running a dictatorship and we're going to tell you guys exactly how it's working yeah um but it's an interesting place to be in the sport because i feel like some of the changes that are being made are going to push us back a couple of years mm not what we need. The branding changes you're kind of maybe speaking to mostly? <coughs> branding changes for sure is a huge issue. Yeah. Um, by not keeping the APB alive, which I think as a whole we are doing really well at doing. Yeah. Um, but by letting that slip would be the most detrimental thing that we could do. Yeah. Because we would lose the huge following that we have of 118,000 people. Mm. Um, you know, the 200 odd thousand people on Facebook and that reach that we had was just like phenomenal. Yeah. So like not using that base as like something to promote our sport and mm. where our sport, the platform that our sport should be on. Yeah. Is like, it's just the, the stupidest thing we can ever do. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's kind of, yeah, to let the the listeners know that that's kind of our main priority right now is to keep the APB alive yeah. and keep pushing with the rider association, the non-profit from the rider's point of view Yeah. and see see what we can make of it. If we can turn it into maybe a big news and media company, then, you know, it would be flipping mental. It will be. And I think, and I think like for me, I was, I've, I've approached this in two minds. Like, I mean, there's, there's no secrets that I was one of the, you know, not critics, but, you know, like I was always willing to ask tough questions of the previous AB, APB um, leadership, Alex Leon and Terry McKenna and everyone else involved. Like I've never been shy of, of, of having an argument, yeah. which is healthy if it's constructive. And, and I do feel like the majority of times it's been constructive. I don't pick fights just for fun because it's not that much fun. But um, the beautiful thing that I know of when working with Alex Leon and having discussions about the future and stuff like, and Terry as well, you know, there was always like listening and adjustment and kind of like this inclusive um, approach. And maybe that was easy because we were all speaking English and that was like easy to get away with because we all understand each other inherently, but maybe I'm just finding it way more difficult. And, And also because there's no previous relationships with these with the promoters that are kind of launching this, you know, like yeah. we don't really know each other. We don't, we haven't had a beer together, you know, yeah. like we, we haven't laughed that much together, you know, and I think that's super important in any relationship. This is why workplaces have social events, yeah. you know, like an after work beer or get together is exactly. to build that social capital, which helps you make decisions easier together and you understand each other, you know where everybody's at. So for me, there's just this, there's just this lower, um, call it trust or just call it understanding but we just don't have a high level of that yet 
And I think that there's been assumptions on the side of the promoters that they were just going to get that from the start. Yeah. And I and I feel like they maybe were a bit naive that, you know, the riders were just going to go, oh, yeah, well, come on in, take over. We love you for everything you've already done. It's just like, hang on, we like your events. Like, you do great events, like, cool. But we're not just going to hand over our whole yeah. world here because you feel like running it. Like... But I love their enthusiasm at the same time. Like, I do actually appreciate their enthusiasm. Like, yeah. good for you guys. You want to go and do something big and great. Like, cool. We need people that want to do big and great things. But we also kind of need to take the baby steps that are necessary. So for me, it's just this weird situation where it's just like, I feel like we just need to slow it all right down, get to know each other more, have that beer or have that, yeah. you know, non-alcoholic beverage, whatever you're into. Kombucha, have a have a glass of booch and and have a yarn and get to know each other better. But yeah, it's it's a tricky situation. But does all of this affect you at all with your planning? Like, are you are you still intending on um, doing the full tour, or are you gonna contemplate, you know, reducing that that load in light of this transitional moment? It's it's a weird situation for me because as much as I, you know, I don't I don't want to be going to every event because. It's, there's so many events. Yeah, it's too year, expensive. You know? It's like eight events, um, South America for six weeks. Again. Uh, hmm. You know, then it's like get home, get a visa for Australia. Yeah. Australia back to South Africa for events. South Africa up to Portugal for events. So I'm gonna just have to see. Uh, yeah. You know, there's other things that might be happening uh, in Australia that I might have to go and oh, okay. see. Cool. Some discussions there that we've oh, yeah. heard about. So, okay, sure. Um, artificial see, discussions. Yeah, artificial, <laughs> artificial wave discussions. So yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's it's an exciting time I think for yeah for all ocean or wave riding sports mm. having having those kind of events that could pop up. Yeah. So if that's something that's going to happen, you know, then yeah, you don't want to miss that for sure. I don't want to miss that and. I think it's a it's a huge media opportunity too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just I think I'll play it by ear. See what the sponsors think too. You know. Does that dictate a lot of your decision making? Are they the biggest for sure. with, factor? With, with Snapper especially. Oh, okay. Um, you know, they want me to go to the event. Oh, um, they want you to compete. Uh, yeah, because I think it's really good for the brands to okay. for the brands to be seen in that competitive light. Yeah. And. Also, when you got when you got a, you know, when the APB was thriving and when it was really popular, I think mm. you get a lot of your followings through, you know, good event results and being on the podiums and being seen. And it's interesting though, isn't it? Because not all brands believe the same thing. Yeah, that's it so is very, funny, isn't it's, it? It's very. It's interesting because some people don't even think competing is necessary. Yeah, there's but a I lot mean, of them. But I mean, when you look at it, it's the biggest platform we have, isn't it? It is. So, unfortunately, like, as much as, you know, part of me says that, you know, I've got that world title and no one can ever take that away from me. So, no. you know, why don't I just do what I want to do? And But to be honest, I want to compete. Because mm. it's like, you know, that's... I, when I originally got into the sport, that was why I was in the sport, was to compete. Yeah, me too. And, I never came in as like a free surfer, just like weekend worrying and 
I find it weird. Like I, I pre, I respect it. I appreciate it. Like, I, and I, and I mean, a part of me envies the free surfer. Like, yeah. I'm like, wow, they're there doing that. That's pretty cool. And like, there aren't. Let's be honest, though. There's not that many um, free surfing bodyboarders anymore that are getting paid much yeah. money. I don't think so. I mean, it is, it is a rare beast, but. I do think it looks awesome to be able to just go on a trip and get some sick waves. But at the same time, yeah, it's it's never been that for me either. It's like the thrill of competition. I just feel like it brings the best out in me. Yeah. You know, that moment where you're just like, okay, I need I need something big here. <laughs> yeah. And wow, I got it. And you do things you just wouldn't do in a free surf, I think, too. Like, for sure. You push yeah, your you, limits. Yeah, like, you do. Yeah, it's nuts. It's it's a, nuts. I find that especially in my, in my case. Like, yeah. I really find myself pushing a lot harder in a competition than I would in a free surf and going for stuff that yeah. you know, I might not have gone for in a in a free surf and there I am within flipping. Yeah, six six feet above the lip going. Well, for it. I mean one of those classic moments is like that one of the, the big backflip you did out of the right at, at, at Eureka. Like I don't know if you would do that and hold no it way. at least. You might have flipped it and thrown it away, but you know, like that was really big. And even like the, the barrel that I went for, you know, like, yeah. like I faded into that too. And yeah. it's like, why would you even think of nah. doing that in a free surf? Nah, you, you know? wouldn't, particularly that wave. I you'd... probably wouldn't have been out there. No, nah. yeah, exactly. So like, you know, the chance of getting that wave was like... I think that's a really funny thing so, about Eureka. Like, I don't think people even surf it anywhere near what we seem to surf it in the competition yeah. format. Like, yeah, like, what's the point? <laughs> I know. I know, but it's... Oh yeah, it's kind of wild to think about that. Yeah, like that wave literally gets pushed to its limits by the by the competition because yeah, free surfing it's just it's just too dangerous to do that yeah. for fun. You know, you're just gonna get lit. But all right, so the competition. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I did. I did. I got the scars to prove it. But um. All right, so so coming back to that, so you've got like you're going to kind of let the sponsors kind of let you know how they feel about what your kind of level of involvement on the tour. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like you're pretty keen either way, and it looks like I mean we can definitely report the two of us here that from behind the scenes, like we've got an agreement. We can we are going to be doing this tour. You know, we've found agreement between the APB and the IBC. We've got something to work off there, and we'll be able to get through this year. But it seems like maybe it's like if things don't kind of go smoothly or improve, like it may well be one of your last years focusing on this. If, the, if these things don't get resolved, this isn't a clean kind of organisation this year, is that going to affect your ideas for 2021? For sure, it'll make yeah. me think twice. Yeah, I can you know, see I, that. And I've got, a, I've got a lot of deals that, you know, my, my sniper deal was a two-year contract that ends at the end of this year. Oh, okay. So, you know, we got to really, i got to see where I am and, mm. you know, see what I want to do with my life because I'm not getting any younger and <laughs> if the if the competition side of things doesn't work out, then, mm. you know, maybe it's a couple of free surf trips or a couple of videos, mm. getting into the YouTube a little bit, a little bit more than I am already. Hello. So, I mean, it's, there's just so many options right now and. The world is, is changing, mm. and our sport is at a really tough position. So yeah. I'll see. I think I'll see what happens at the end of this year. Yeah, um, definitely follow the tour for this year. I know Rose is going to be busy the whole year. And I see. So 
that kind of makes it a little bit easier for me to focus on competing and okay. doing what I want to do. All right. And then we'll see. Okay. I just, I, just don't, I really don't know. Yeah, but it's interesting. You know, most sports people really do know at the start of their competitive year what they're doing. Like it's, yeah. and they got to, be, you know, it says a lot that one of the, you know, top guys on the tour for many, many years is kind of like in this exhausted state before the years even started. Yeah. And it's it's you know, and I'm sure like I'm gonna hopefully podcast with a bunch of other people while we're here, and I've got this feeling like I'm gonna get the exact same response from them about where they're at with competition, and it's it's concerning because. You know the the tour. I mean, my opinion on the tour is it only it's only as good as the the ability of the people on it, on the tour. So 100%. if you've got guys who aren't showing up, you know, like even like Moz last year, not having him on the tour as a regular competitor, that was that was weird because yeah. he turned up and absolutely blew the place apart. You know, like he got Scary. nearly a perfect thirty. Yeah. In you know he got twenty nine point five in the sessions rounds at Eureka. Like that was outrageous. And then, you know, he comes second at Fronton. And it's kind of like, dude, like, clearly he's a... Yeah, where were you? Yeah, exactly. Like, clearly there's a problem if that guy's not showing up. But um, but the sun's setting. We'll see what will happen. And I think as a nice little closing kind of remark from you, given that we're here at Pipeline, given that you've never won a Pipeline <laughs> trophy, how important is this event to you in and of itself, regardless of the points it might have for you? Where does it sit? I would still come here if there were no points. Yeah. So um, this this event is, I think, as high up as it can be. Yeah. So this is the one place that I kept coming back to for the last seven years, and you know, it's not. I really enjoy the people here. I get yeah. on super well with the Hawaiians. Um, I hope they feel the same way. I've asked a few. I wouldn't um, ask them. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like I, I spent, I've spent a lot of time on these islands, and yeah. uh, it's a really special place for me mm. mentally as well as spiritually. So it's like to win this event would be, yeah, it would be probably another one of those pinnacle moments in my career. Okay. Um, I would put it up to the, as good as a world title, to be honest, because it's. I've put as much time in here as mm. I have anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, just, again, it's like, just go out and enjoy myself a bit. Mm. I know the waves are going to be pretty decent, so yeah. it'll be fun to surf some really good waves and uh, hopefully calm down and relax it up. All right, well, let's see what happens next in the literal next few days. Can Ian Campbell get his pipeline trophy? Does he need it? Are there desperation words involved? I don't know. Looks like he's pretty chilled about it either way. I'm super chilled. Man. Okay. And well, I think also coming off the another thing is like, you know, coming off this injury, it's mm. like I've definitely got like no expectations. Yeah, yeah. So you know, if I fall out in the first round, I fall out in the first round, and we look at the next twelve. Yeah. It's not even like the next event. It's not even. Yeah, you know, I'm not really too phased about the situation that I'm in, so yeah. it's really nice to feel this way, yeah. as opposed to being like stressed out and desperate. A few notes there for you all to take. Thanks for joining me for another podcast episode, Ian. Nice shirt, by the way. Thanks. Hey, it's uh, 
the new Lubugi shirts. You yeah. should get on them. They'll be they're available, available online available soon, soon. When I get the Shopify account sorted out. Stay tuned for that. So that was Ian Campbell before he took the victory at the dying seconds over Tanner McDaniel. Um, classic, classic performance. A little bit of housekeeping. Um, got a couple of these Laboogie bodyboards with the science collab still remaining. Only a handful, actually. So thanks to everyone who's supported that initiative. Thanks to Mike Stewart for helping get those boards made. Johnny Crookshank as well. But there are a few left, a few 42.5s. I think I've got about five of them left. So um, if anybody wants to grab one uh, to enjoy, if they're able to reach the water, um, feel free to get in touch. Also got a batch of Laboogie t-shirts made, organic cotton. They're 50 bucks delivered. And um, I would love to get them onto your backs. So any of the supporters out there who want to Get themselves a Laboogie t-shirt. There's a bunch of them here. Probably down to 40 shirts now. Um, feel free to DM. Hope everyone is staying safe out there. These are tough times. And um, the one thing I guess we all know for sure or that we have to know is that things are going to get better eventually. So if you're doing it tough, make sure you talk to your friends, talk to your family. Um, a lot of people are calling social distance, but a, my cousin actually reminded me recently that it's spatial distance. We can still be social throughout this. We just got to find new ways. So much love to all of you. Um, really appreciate the support. And I hope that this podcast brings you a little, little bit of support too, if that's what it does. Okay. Take care. Look, 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 look